You are listening to the Pencil and Paper Podcast Network. Welcome to the Palace of Mega Pixels. This is Super Mega Brothers Turbo. And welcome to Super Mega Crash Brothers Turbo. I'm your host, Stephen White. With me is, as always, Todd Stark. Hello, hello. We've got a very special guest today, uh, Cohen Hasuki. Did I say that correctly? Yes, indeed you did. Awesome. <laughs> I, was, Actually, I was making sure. Good. Most people get that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was hoping I'd nail it. Sometimes I struggle with names on this, on this podcast from time to time. Uh, Cohen is a Twitch streamer. Uh, Cohen, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. So uh, tell everyone a little bit about yourself, if you would, please. Um, really, honestly, weird enough, there's not that much to tell. I was actually just an ex-YouTuber, coming from London, moved overseas and all that. And basically, I became a Twitch streamer due to the fact that trolls destroyed my YouTube channel. So that's how I made it to Twitch. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's... Story a... was like, yeah. Damn trolls. Yeah, always some trolls, man. I like tearing planes and uh, Twitch channels up. Yeah. Or uh, YouTube channels. Yeah, that was an interesting situation, interestingly, because of the fact that Trolls basically sent off a load of copyright flags and hate speech flags on game review videos, of all things. Yeah. And there was, like, there was informal ones, but there weren't anything that we would have done anything bad. So then YouTube never got back to us and was like, we're going to script. We'll go to Twitch then. Seems like more fun anyway. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Now, what, what actually got you into streaming in the first place, whether it be on YouTube? Um, actually, interesting enough, um, I was working alongside Kiss Limited uh, because of you know, con- press contacts and such like that. And um, I actually helped one developer actually get his game on Steam by contacting Kiss Limited and, you know, got them talking and they published his game. And they said, oh, by the way, the guy you was helping, uh, by the way, his game's being streamed by the streamer called Indie. Would, you should definitely go check it out if you like. And they sent me a link. So when I watched Indie and then we chilled out, chatted. And before and I was a Twitch streamer as well. Nice. God dang it. <laughs> <laughs> Always something. Uh, how long have you actually been a fan of video games? Um, since, well, basically, yes, would be the good answer. <laughs> <laughs> Always. Uh, since as long as I can damn remember, starting with, because um, I'm hailing from Europe, we used to have like old 8-bit computers with like tape drives, so we had to load games off all the access. Mm-hmm. So these youngsters these days complain about 10-second load times. They need to go back to where I started, where we used to wait 10 minutes. Yeah, like yeah, one level. <laughs> Absolutely. And God help you if you fucking die. Oh God! <laughs> All the way back to the start. Load it again. <laughs> yeah. Now, was there ever a game that you remember growing up that you remember the most fondly? Uh, yes, there's actually quite a few. Uh, the biggest two that comes to my mind would probably be R Type on the Sega Master System and Wonder Boy Three. Oh yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. Didn't oh, they boy. just re re uh, remake that or re release it or something like that? Wonder Boy? Or am I thinking of another one? I feel, like, sure. I feel like I feel like they I'm, did actually re-release that. They did, yes. That's what I thought. It looks very, very good. I mean, just the the re-release of it. I've seen the old one, but I never played it. But the re-release looks awesome. So I like the the art style they did yep. on that. Now, what what? Uh, how did you personally get introduced into the Epic community? Um, really, um, interesting story that I was actually stri- Twitch streaming a uh, Persona Five on my channel, just doing my usual thing and whatnot else, and. Mammoth came and raided me because he saw I was also streaming the game, and we had about the same sort of viewer base level, 
you know, numbers wise, and mm. he just came raided. And I was like, oh, thank you very much. In fact, I mispronounced his name completely at the time <laughs> because I didn't realise it was Mammoth EU, so Mammoth or something. I I called it. <laughs> oh boy, oh, I remember that one. And yeah, we ended up chilling, and I usually I like to check out other people's cast, especially. So I checked out his, and you know, chilled out in his, and it's been going ever since like that, really. And then he said, well, have you ever considered applying for Epic? And I was like, yeah, well, yeah, maybe, you know. And before I know, there I am, basically. Mm-hmm. Awesome. With Space Cat and everything else, and Lacey, um, <laughs> I'm just like, ah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. Now, Those individuals, but hey, we've got to love them. Right, right. Now, um, you, you were kind of mentioning trolls earlier. I was going to ask you what you encounter as a problem with, uh, as far as streaming goes. Are, are trolls still a problem now? Or just not as bad, maybe? Actually, interestingly, not as much as you might expect. I get the I get the occasional usual ones, you know, with the troll names or whatnot else, and they come in. And I think the worst one I ever had was probably during when I was playing Fallout 4, and they came in and spoiled the ending. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, as I was playing, and that did actually stop me from playing it for a good while, but other than that, it's not been too bad. The worst infestation other than that was one time I was playing Dark Souls, and they all just tried to bundle in, and then my boss was just going, ban, 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 ban. Right. <laughs> now, as far as uh, being a streamer goes, do you have any long-term goals for being a streamer, and did did you have some back on YouTube? Uh, back on YouTube? really honestly was just to have fun and entertain and it's really not changed all that much to be honest with you as the way i've been treating my cast is quite an odd approach maybe to most but it's a chill cast and i like to think of it as it's a bunch of friends sitting on the couch you know like on a sunday afternoon playing a video game just chilling and chatting Mm -hmm. and that's kind of how i treat it i've always been doing it more for fun than anything else more to just as a social experience people can come together have fun get to know each other and relax and it's really been kind of working for me even though i've turned right into a niche streamer which is kind of odd but hey it works for me yeah if, it, if that's what makes it happen i mean go for it i mean that's awesome well cohen it's great to have you here uh we're gonna get into our first little segment here and we'll ask you first what have you been playing uh very 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 recently grand Auto 5 role play okay. which is an unfortunate addiction of mine <laughs> Playing a character called Danisuki, who's a very messed up individual with a wolf head. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've long thrown that one. In fact, he's about to get married, which is even weirder. <laughs> <laughs> I have, I've, I've actually yeah, so, seen some of those, uh, are, are the role-playing streams. I, I wasn't quite sure how that was working at first, but it is interesting how, how that goes about. So I, I kind of like that. Sounds cool. Yeah. Uh, Todd, what have you been playing? I've been playing Call of Duty World, World War Two. Mm-hmm. Surprisingly, is uh, the story is really good. It's usually pretty good. Yeah, this one actually took it up a notch. Nice. Well, I've uh, really been hammering down on Injustice Two. I've just gotten into a, a, a I guess a, a, what do you call it? Multiverse. Yeah, Multiverse, I've been yeah. I've been really trying to to gain all the you know build my levels and and get the the gear and stuff like that. It's just become a habit all of a sudden. And uh, I don't know, I'm kind of digging it. But I did get to play something new last night, and you're going to be excited, Todd. What is it? I got to play Seven Days to Die. Did you like it? Uh, it was interesting. It was a little laggy, but that might have yeah. just been my con- my connection. It uh, that game is fun. It sucks at the beginning. Game I've played in a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, yeah, it was a first for me. I'd never tried it, but uh, I got a code for it, and yeah. I was just like, all right, well, I'll, I'll give it a go. The game is rough at the beginning. Until yeah, you I start. Will, 
the very first thing I did stupidly is I jumped off something and broke my leg. So I had to <laughs> limp my way to my friends. It was like, help me, help me. And they were a good, good long distance away from me. <laughs> oh yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> so, did you get chased down by the dogs? Oh my God. Dogs are the worst. Oh, I didn't man. encounter any dogs. Oh. I got attacked by a bird. <laughs> <laughs> Bears suck. <laughs> So, but no, I saw, I saw birds, I saw zombies and it was, it was hard. And I even got, I think by the time I reached my friends, I was infected with, uh, what did I get infected by? I don't remember. I had an infection and we were scrambling just to find me antibiotics. It was like, we all had something, but we couldn't cook them. And it was just like, why am I, I'm just destined to die. It's ridiculous. But it was, it was still fun for what, for the little time I played it. All right. Well, now we're going to move into our news. Uh, Cohen, anything you want to chime in on, by all means. All right. Our uh, f- um, first bit of news. Right <laughs> our first bit of news is uh, surrounding everyone's favorite story, Star Wars Battlefront Two. Uh, the game continues to be slammed with controversy even after its first week of release. Uh, firstly, the Metacritic score has dropped substantially from its not, or 79%, I believe is what it was originally, uh, that we had, uh, we'd said last week, to yeah. now 66%. And its user score has dropped to 0.9. And is now the worst-received AAA title of the year, going below two other ill-received games, Mass Effect Andromeda and uh, Ghost Recon Wildlands. Secondly, following up on the loot box gambling controversy, Belgium's Gaming Commission has now declared loot boxes gambling since it can be classified as a mix of money and gaming. They argue that their decision uh, is relevant by saying mixing gambling and gaming, especially at a young age, is dangerous for the mental health of a child. Belgium's Minister of Justice, uh, Cohen Geens, said that he will be working to remove any and all in-game purchases that involve luck, such as loot boxes, and have them banned. Hawaii and the state of Victoria have also joined into the throng of governments who have voiced their concerns about the practices of loot boxes and gamings and are pursuing their own set of guidelines, calling these practices predatory. It was noted that the uh, more focused on they're more focused on pay-to-win aspects, not necessarily skins or virtual currencies, but will consider them in the future. I'm, I'm going to have to say right there, considering skins as a pay-to-win thing, that's ridiculous. I don't think they should be pursuing those. If it's if it's like Candy Crush or something like that, where you have to, you cannot proceed unless you pay to win. That's different. Yes. But if you're talking about skins or something like that, I'm going to use Injustice as a great example. I work for those those pieces of armor and and costumes because you get them as you fight. You know, it's not like it is kind of a random choice of what you get. So you don't really necessarily get what you want, but you get plenty of them. As long as you work for it, you're getting all you need. I've gotten so much. It's ridiculous. I don't even use half of it. Does the armor help you? It can. Yes. Now it's, it's one of those things that it help you in the multiverse portion of it, but it's not, it's not a pay to win thing. Well, I think when they say that and talk about skins, if a skin has a certain ability. Right. And you get it and and it helps you win. From that that perspective, yeah. I guess that could be pay to win. I think what they ought to do if they want to get around this whole loot box and luck thing is just tell what's in the damn box. Yeah. And then put a price on it. And then, you know, have different bundles, you know? It could help. Yeah. Just, but, I, I don't hmm. like the luck part either because you always get screwed. You buy 10, you get one good thing. And maybe perhaps if they did something along the lines of the better you play, maybe you're you're entitled to better gear. 
Um, but still, that's yeah. that's yeah, a lot. It's a little iffy. You know? Yeah, then it kind of it could possibly exclude some players. Right. Then it's still a bit of a problem. Yeah. <laughs> because you you definitely have those people out there who are cheating. You yeah. know they're cheating. Yeah. However they do it, they're they're finding a way loopholes or whatever, and they'll they'll exploit it. So. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I've got a confession. Like the keyboard and mouse on, say, the uh, console version of Overwatch as a good example, uh-huh. which has been another controversy a while back, where mm. a lot of the console players were actually complaining about people using uh, Cronus Max devices. Yeah. Ironically, I have one, but not for that purpose. And they've been using the keyboard and mouse, which obviously, as you know, as PC PC games as well, it gives you that fast accuracy with the mouse to look around and shoot. And obviously, when you got stuck with a controller it's quite a disadvantage because you've got that time where you have to wait for the actual camera to pan. Right. Mm. Now, <laughs> on the flip side of things, a financial analyst, Evan Green, uh, Wingren, stated that all the controversy was an overreaction. He said that games aren't overcharged, they are undercharged. I will say that we I've made mm. kind of similar arguments where, you know, I feel like some games are being undersold. That's why you have Ultimate Editions that cost right. $100 because you're getting so much and at some point, they have to undersell mm-hmm. these games because I mean they know they're going to get their money back eventually. But right. at some point, consumers have to understand what they're they're being given. I, I think it's the same with movies and stuff like that, where you see ticket prices go up all the mm-hmm. time. There's a lot of inflation. They're putting three hundred million dollars into a movie, and they've got to get their returns back somehow. Right. So how are you going to do that? Granted, yeah, there are yeah. DVD sales and stuff like that, but they're losing money. They have to find a way to get it back. So. With games, I, I feel like the way they're doing it, the fact they're sticking to a $60 price tag right now is fair. Yeah. but And, and a it, lot of games are $39, you know, $19. Yeah. They're not all $60. No, and if you were kind of with the argument we've mentioned before where you pay, say if you paid $60 for a two-hour game, yeah, I could see that kind of feeling like a bit of a ripoff. Right. But it depends on what you're getting out of it, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I'd really pay that for a two-hour game. No, but no, no. Just, just saying, they all feel like they're priced accordingly based on that. And I even feel like that he kind of points that out. Uh, I think I actually wrote it down. He said, according to uh, Wingren, he said uh, he spoke mostly in terms of finances. The handling of Star Wars Battlefront Two, launched by EA, uh, has been poor. Despite this, uh, key bank capital markets view the suspension of microtransactions in the near future as a transitory risk. EA themselves downplayed the seriousness of this response to the controversy, saying that the temporary removal of microtransactions, which they did last week, is not expected to have a material impact on EA's fiscal year in 2018. Uh, Wingren does say that there is a slightly higher probability that Battlefront 2 won't hit the 13 million sales unit forecast in the result of the controversy. I probably agree with that, too. But he says he doesn't blame microtransactions. Rather, he says that the saga has been a perfect storm of overreaction that involves EA, Star Wars, Reddit, and certain purist gamers slash journalists slash outlets who dislike microtransactions. He goes on to argue that the one hour of video game content is still one of the cheapest forms of entertainment if you break it down to the value to cost per hour. And, and I think that a, kind of, mm-hmm. you know, enforces what we were just saying. Right, but if you got to pay to win, that's... Yeah, absolutely. So in, in that regard, mm-hmm. it, the way they've handled this has been... Uh, Shit. Yeah. So I don't even think feeling like they've taken out the microtransactions at the moment is going to do it a lot of good. They they burned a lot of people, and I'd still like to play it, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I don't know if I'll ever buy it outright right now. It'll probably be one of those I'll see for a discount later on down the line. Yeah. That's, that's almost bought uh, Battlefront, yeah, the first one like that. Budget conscious, yeah. About yeah. It. 
because yeah, I've always sort of taken the mindset of well, the price is a good in, uh, price per hour, which is a lot of what people scale on. I always <laughs> usually go by the experience I get because there's some games I paid what might a lot of people might seem over the odds for a two-hour experience, but it's been such a great experience that I'm like, you know what, I'm fine with that cost. But then there's other times where I've picked up a game and it's just like deadly long, like uh, Kingdoms of Amalur. Mm -hmm. That game never ends, and I got sick and tired of it. And it was when it released, like sixty buck game, and I was just like, oh god. <laughs> so sometimes I feel it's not only the amount of content, but also the experience behind the content, because you can have as much content as you want, but if it's not going to be interesting, it's still lost. Yeah, absolutely, right. I agree. Yeah, the inflation of the dollar also helps because don't forget that the dollars, you know, the changing in currency and how much it's worth. And we get stuck in our mindset. Well, back in my day, it used to cost 40 bucks for mm -hmm. this game, and now they cost 60. Not forgetting that the dollar inflation, it costs more dollars these days for the same product. And it's not because they're valued more, it's just it seems more because the number's higher. Right, exactly. And I, I think we've even kind of mentioned that before. No one ever considers that. So. Yeah. And the fact they've been probably stuck at $60 for how long now? At least 10. At 10. least 10 years? Yeah. It's surprising. Yeah. I mean, they could easily say, you know what, we have to sell this at, you know, $80, $100 because if this is what you want. But they, they do. They break it down to, to make it affordable for everybody. And I still feel like they sell them at a loss many times. Yeah. I mean, especially games like, well, you know, Grand yeah, Theft Auto, yeah. it it's cost probably a couple hundred million to make that game yeah with the amount of people they get on it mm -hmm. and they you know they get their their money back from the sales i think yeah being the highest you know selling game stuff like that they don't really push microtransactions even though they're there yeah and but they and don't push them that's that's a smart move though to have them there but you're not pushing it because right. even injustice they have them there you can buy crystals and things like that to help you level up your characters, but it's not a necessity. Right. There's, I don't feel like yeah. that I, I have to do that to get anywhere. I've worked myself to get to the levels that I want. Right. So, and, and some of the characters, mm -hmm. I don't really care. <laughs> you know, they're just not worth leveling up. Yeah, so exactly. it's, it's just fun to just say, this is the character I'm going to work on and I'm going to do it. So it really depends on how they handle it. EA's doing a terrible job and... Funny enough, our next story still revolves around EA. Because they are shit. <laughs> and what they've done. Battlefront 2 isn't the only game EA is having to pull from the fire. The player base for FIFA 18 is boycotting the game until EA fixes the game's ultimate league system, which has long been a massive and time-consuming ordeal to encourage people to spend money in microtransactions. Right. exactly. I, I've never heard this, the, but this is fascinating, I the guess. same thing with Madden Ultimate Team. Yeah. I've got a friend that spent four thousand dollars on that. Shit. Good lord! Yeah, didn't even realize it. Just one of those. Yeah, I'll pay five dollars here, five dollars yeah. there. It'll be fine. Yep. Uh, every weekend, FIFA 18 has a two-day uh, special event in which players compete for the best prizes. Uh, it's called Weekend League, and the event prizes are so good that over six million players fight for a spot at the Weekend League. The problem is, EA requires you to play at least forty matches over the weekend which amounts to a, about 13 hours of game time, not counting downtime or any actions done in between matches. Now, this brutal time commitment is designed on purpose, and it requires you not to lose out on a single match of the 40 in order to reap the best benefits. Other game modes offer meager rewards in comparison, encouraging players to either spend uh, one quarter of their weekend on FIFA or pony up the cash. As a result, the community has finally had enough and are boycotting both on 
the Black Friday sales and the weekend league until EA addresses the problem. Now, as of writing this piece, over 20,000 players are boycotting and demanding changes around the implementations of packs and the long time investment that's required to play, whether it be in time or money. Uh, making matters worse, there are several users complaining of the arrogance from the developer side. Apparently, some of these uh, systems, uh, like the Defender Automation and the Goalkeeper behavior, have been altered post-launch, changing the way the game plays and feels. Although this issue has supposedly been brought up in several uh, several times, the dev team refuses to make changes. Now, the bottom line is that the community is fed up by the way they've been treated, and both players and consumers are frustrated Besides all of the other time-specific uh, problems, 40 matches, 13-hour weeks, or 13 hours a weekend, do seem like a preposterous amount of time to spend on something meant to be entertainment. Yeah, that's um, I, I can't I can't get behind that. EA, that's that's two for two that they're doing. And th- didn't FIFA just come out like a week or so ago? Something like that. And they get voted worst company every year. And they don't seem to understand why. No, they don't care. They're making money. Yeah. Well, that's that's. Always going to be the, the bottom line, too, is as long as people are ponying up that cash, they're never going to care. you be like, well, people are paying. And I think we even we kind of mentioned that uh, last week before where you see the uptick in microtransactions. They're still there. Oh, yeah. So there's only a, a small percentage of people complaining. They make their voice heard, but people are still paying the money. So you're never going to stop it as yeah. long as people continue to do it. So, uh, I don't know. Uh, EA... I feel like this should be the black eye that's going to really hurt the company, but something tells me they're they're going to continue to move strong in the future. Yeah, I don't I don't see any slowdown. Where well, they're going to just say, "Oh, we're so sorry, we won't do it again. We've learned from this experience. We're moving on." And oh, by the way, we've just announced in the next one. And by the way, they're going to change it a little bit, maybe reword it. It's more yeah. marketing. Mm, that's what I was going to say. Here. They reword it and make it sound like it's something positive. When in fact it's actually something fairly negative. Yeah, I can. Yeah, right. you go. So the, oh, these microtransactions. Someone says, "Oh, we're sick of these microtransactions." They go, "Oh no, these aren't microtransactions anymore. They are in-game perks <laughs> or something that you yeah. can unlock mm-hmm. for just nine ninety-nine. You could have an extra XP boost mm-hmm. or something." And that's exactly what they'll yeah, do. That's usually what it's called: rewording. Whatever yeah. it takes for them, I'm sure. Loot crates to be like uh, bundle boxes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not a loot crate. Not a loot yeah, crate not at loot all. Crate loot crate at all. No, yeah. no, no. You ain't paying to win. Oh, it's like Can a I... box or something. Yeah. But it costs 50 cents to play. <laughs> There's all the joy inside. Uh, EA. Well, anyway, next story. Uh, Marvel and Fox Next Games are developing Marvel Strike Force, which is a new mo- mobile RPG releasing in 2018. Uh, the game tasks players to assemble a team of the most powerful Marvel heroes and villains to battle side-by-side against one of the biggest threats the world has ever seen, Ultimus, a Kree warlord who is jumping from one dimension to another, conquering every version of Earth along the way. Marvel Strike Force will utilize turn-based combat where you can play at your own pace with an emphasis on team strategy and qu- squad synergy. There will be about 70 different characters to uh, play uh, upon release, including defenders like Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, Guardians of the Galaxy like Groot and Drax, many of the Avengers, uh, solo heroes like Night Nurse, Doctor Strange, Quake, and Spider-Man will also be available in the game as well. Additionally, every character will have unique gear and ability that can be a- upgraded to improve their strength and unlock new tactical options. Now, I find this funny that this follows on the heels of Marvel heroes being shut down. Yeah. 
I, I'm kind of wondering yeah. if this wasn't Disney saying, you guys are done, we're just going to push this new game into the front. That's what they did. Because there was no word on Marvel Heroes. I mean, I heard there were, you know, things that were time-consuming for them, and they were right. struggling to keep up, but it was almost like, well, we've got this new thing coming, so you guys are, we're, we're done with you. Yeah. Let's move on to the next big thing. Well, it's just like Avalanche Studios and their whole, uh, what was that, Disney, uh, what was the toy stuff they had? Oh, the uh, Disney Infinity? Yeah, and then they got rid of that overnight. Yeah, that was One morning woke up, hey, we're getting rid of it. Mm-hmm. And they had they had so much they could have done with that. Star Wars, Marvel, all their Disney characters. Yeah. Oh, I, they did. They they said they had a warehouse full of uh, Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> well... Who wouldn't want to play as the whole? Yeah, say that. I got still an ME. It's still got tons of those, and they're trying to get rid of them for like such a cheap price. And there's no point touching it because it's not going to do anything yeah. anymore. They're just collectibles now, if anything. Put it on your shelf. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're really not even collectibles. All of a sudden, all the homeless kids playing with the Hulk. <laughs> yeah, we just gave like, him away. Look at this. He's on a little. Aren't they like on little discs or something? Yeah, like they're that? on a little, like a little base. We'll make him hop around on this disc. He's cool. He's, He's mad. Flying. Look, smash. <laughs> Uh, next story is in 2013, uh, Project Phoenix launched on Kickstarter with an initial goal of $100,000. The campaign ended up raising about 10 times that goal, resulting in just over a million dollars raised through nearly 16,000 backers. Since then, Project Phoenix has yet to release, but backers have been given frequent updates on the progress of the game, which is a Japanese RPG. Now, the most recent update of Project Phoenix Kickstarter goals uh, gave all of its backers a chance to try out a demo of another game called Tiny Metal. The former PR manager, Tarek Lacey, took to the official uh, Project Phoenix Facebook and posted a lengthy letter detailing how Project Phoenix's developer's creative intelligence arts was created solely to fund Tiny Metal, then shut down and became Area 53 as it's known today. Uh, the Facebook po- post has since been taken down, but Lacey claims that Hiroka Yura, CEO of both the f- CEO of both the former Creative Intelligence Arts and the now Area 53, ordered him to deflect any accusations that the funding was from anyone but private investors. Uh, one of the most recent updates for Project Phoenix from er- August earlier in the year lends credibility to this possibility. Haraka Ayura notes that the team had been working on another project to secure a large investment for Project Phoenix. It remains to be seen what's really going on or not, but we will uh, update this as we see it. Uh, as the uh, There was a statement that was released to Kotaku uh, that claims that Tiny Metal's initial investment came from a group of investors from Australia. This wasn't enough to finish development, so the rest came through a deal with Sony Music Entertainment. In addition, Ayura claims that the post was posted by a staff whose contract had been bought out due to him being uh, a toxic employee who was sexually harassed by our female staff, amongst many other problems. Wait. Sexually harassed by the female staff? Oh, sexually harassed our female staff. Oh. I'm sorry. Let me... Yeah, let me rephrase. He sexually harassed our female staff. He must be a fine mother... (laughs) Sorry. Yeah. After I got done saying that, I was like, I didn't say that right. Hashtag me too. Yeah. Uh, now, the post is factually incorrect and thus was deleted from our account. That's what the man suggests. However, uh, Tariq uh, Lacia had also den- or jumped on there and denied sexual harassment allegations. But I think that the main story here is that this Project Phoenix, uh, the company behind it, they were laundering money or they were at least ripping people off. And then they put out another game. Yeah. Hopefully to Counter get it that. started. Yeah, counterbalance. Yeah, maybe work on. Fan- I don't know. What was the call? What was the uh, game Project, Phoenix. Project Phoenix? 
And I feel like this gives a black eye to Kickstarter campaigns yes. because this is why people don't want to fund them. You know, unless right. you have a, a name behind them that people know and can trust, no one wants to get involved. That's the only reason I even got involved with Friday the 13th is the only game I've ever backed on a Kickstarter is because I knew that there were people involved that I could trust. And I was like, okay, this will be fine. Because a name like that and the people involved, if something like that was to rip people off, you know, it's going to be big news. These are such a low-level yeah. developer, no one's ever going to notice. And as you can see, they got away with it. Or at least it's the way it seems for three years. Yeah. Four years. It was I, just buying cars and sexual arrests and women. Yeah, this guy. Of course, he didn't do it now. That's what he says. That's what he said. He didn't do it. His favorite, I bet his favorite magician is David Copperfield. Oh, David Copperfield. This kind of rings to me of being... Do you remember back a little while ago, it, part of this reminds me of um, the incident with um, Colonial Marines, mm-hmm. where yeah. it was still questionable where, where the money really went, because they were funneling Gearbox money, and Gearbox obviously just outsourced the game practically out to yeah, someone exactly. else, and then funneled seemingly the money into you know Borderlands 2 instead, yeah. of actually putting it into into Colonial Marines. But other than that, it feels also like they'd bring up this sexual harassment part as maybe camouflage to kind of mm-hmm. cover up the situation. Go, oh, but look at this. Instead, this is even bigger news. Pay attention to this. And especially right now with the climate the way it is, you know. <laughs> yeah, that definitely seems like yeah. a, a great cover because it's, it's coming out almost on a daily basis now where somebody sexually harassed somebody. So that's, yeah, that's a pretty good cover. I never thought about that. That's good. Yeah, like, give them a bigger story to focus on, and then hopefully everyone kind of forgets about the original one because they got so caught up in the new one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, we go, then by the time they got already got it out in the clear, everyone goes, what was the original thing about? How did this start? And everyone goes, I don't know. They're pulling a Donald Trump. Yeah, slide of hand. Go. All right. Well, the uh, next story I have is a little bit more on a lighter side since everything's been <laughs> negative Yay. the last one. I was about to cut my wrist, dude. <laughs> now, in the next few weeks, uh, the Legend of Zelda Symphony of the Goddess will return to North America for additional dates, giving fans another chance to bask in its orchestrated glory. Are you excited? This, uh, I am. This two-hour performance is brought to life with a 66-piece orchestra and a 24-person choir lending uh, the appropriate levels of gravitas and scale to the songs of the Zelda franchise. The arrangements are chosen for, or from the more recent entries in the series with brand new compositions and rotation for Breath of the Wild. Of course, there are also nods to the more monumental, monumental games, I almost ruined that word too, from previous generations like Ocarina of Time and Link to the Past. The whole sweeping performance will be bolstered by a gigantic video montage playing behind the orchestra and the choir. The tour's first stop in North America will be on November 30th in Vancouver, British Columbia. Uh, From there, the show will be heading to Edmont, Calgary, and then Montreal. Then it's off to Pittsburgh, New Orleans, Oklahoma City, and Salt Lake City. I went to a show in Nashville last year, I believe, in June. And if you are a fan of Legend of Zelda... If it's ever coming to your area, go. Because this is a phenomenal show. Did they play the whole montage behind the thing when yes. you went? Yeah, they that's, had the, the big video. And where I was sitting, it was perfect, too, because I was up on the balcony seats, and the screen was, like, right there in front of my, my face. So I could still see the the orchestra in the, the bottom, but I could see the screen clear. So to hear it, to hear this music that you only kind of get in an 8-bit or 16-bit versions, and now they're just brought to life with a sweeping orchestra, it's... So, so awesome. yeah, it's just phenomenal. It's, it's great music already, and they just make it better. 
Yeah, you know, those, the, Zelda has some great music. Yeah, Koji Kondo, he he's he's known for his his good music, and that was probably one of his best scores. Oh, Koji. Yep. I'm glad he's still been doing it up to. I don't know if he did Breath of the Wild. I would assume maybe, but I'm not going to swear to it because I don't not know. Sure. But I know he's done a, a wide variety, you know, a good assortment of the Zelda games. So, but like I said, if you if you're a fan of Zelda, definitely go to that. It's it's definitely worth it. Uh, Did next, they even cover the old Game Boy one on that one? That's what I'm curious about because my they, favorite Zelda is actually Link's Awakening. I do believe there was a there was a bit because I know they did that and um, what was that uh, the Minish Cap? There was a, a piece from that mm. they showed in there. So yeah, they definitely cover a lot of ground, even if it's in like a montage because they would do montages sometimes, yeah. and it would just if you didn't have the visual aid sometimes. It would it would make your brain have to think. It's like I know that song, I know it, and then like um, Spirit Tracks. There was a, I remember there was a track from Spirit Tracks, and I was like, I know this, I know this tune, and I think it was the tune that plays when you're on the train. And I was like, Oh yeah, that's that's yeah. it. So it, that's that's kind of fun too if you're doing it by visual, you know, without visual aid is trying to test your memory. Mm-hmm. It's like, do I know this? I know I know this. So Koji Kondo did not have anything to do with Breath of the Wild. Okay, well, fair enough, but. From what I understand, they still uh, good. It's still got a his good. His legacy is, yeah. is <laughs> just fine. Well, they're probably just not copying and pasting, but yeah. building on what he did. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, our little next little tidbit of news uh, is Square Enix is uh, set to announce a few major releases uh, between April and uh, E3. They're often known for keeping release dates of their biggest games under wraps for a long time, often defying expectations of fans uh, that wait for these announcements at events or trade shows. Now, at the moment, the only major game awaiting a definitive release date would be Kingdom Hearts 3, since it was only announced that it was coming out in 2018. Uh, But I would say the other eagerly announced game that doesn't have a release window would be Final Fantasy VII, or the remake of Final Fantasy VII. Well, are they still doing the like the episodic kind of? To my that? knowledge, that's yeah. still the plan. Um, now, as they kind of mentioned that as well, uh, they also during a quarterly uh, conference call mentioned that they were uh, getting excited for the Nintendo Switch, wanting to be proactive in creating new IPs and rebooting older older titles for the Nintendo platform. Do they need to reboot an old title for the Nintendo platform? Because that seems to be a common theme here lately. You know, because we got yeah. what Skyrim just went to to Nintendo Switch, and that game's been out for how long? Twelve Since... years. <laughs> because I remember yeah, you playing that at your old house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I guess if you're a diehard Nintendo fan and you've never played it. I guess it's good yeah. that you've got it, but at the same time, it's just one of those. Everyone's played these games already, you know. Yeah. Nice. Or even Doom, for instance, being put on the Nintendo Switch. Yeah. It's like. It's just like it's been so there. In reality, I want the original Doom on my PS4. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> I'm it out there. Yeah. So I, I mean, it's good that they're being proactive toward the Switch. They're not you know, dismissing them kind of like what EA did during uh, the Wii U era because they ditched them like a bad (laughs) hat, man. They were just like, Oh, this is not selling. Okay. We're done. One game, one game didn't sell. We're out. We're gone. They ditched them. so bad. That poor console. So, but (laughs) fair enough. Yeah. (laughs) Just like a little salute it off as it goes. Because it did. It was console except for the virtual boy, I think. Yeah. Yeah. that, That would probably be the two, 
failures at that company. Well, What's and the that? Power Glove. Uh, as far as, as I wouldn't call it Wii U a failure, but it was definitely underappreciated for what it could potentially have done. It, it yeah. Well, they just didn't like market that thing right. No. The message was all muddled, just kind of like the Xbox One when it first came mm-hmm. out. Yeah. All just muddy water. I mean, I, I did play it for a while, but at some point, I was just like, "There's no games," and then I, I went and got a PS3 to, to counterbalance that. And I never touched it You're after welcome. that. You are welcome yeah, to that. I just, it collected yep. dust. So I hate that it happened that way. And it's making me hesitant to buy a Switch. But I have heard good things about the Switch. But I'm still, I still feel burned. So yeah, uh, I'm just, I'm hesitant. So hesitant. Well, what I can't stand about Nintendo is yeah. at some point they just start getting a lot of shovelware, it feels like. Yeah. And, and that's the problem here lately is you see a lot of these games coming to them and it's either something that's been out for a while or it's something no one's ever heard of. And there's nothing wrong with these little indie titles, but are they, like you said, shovelware or are they genuine, you know, indie titles that need to be, you know, noticed and represented? Right. Because I never see them anywhere else. Yeah. So that, that kind of, I don't know, raises a flag yeah. to me sometimes. And they do have a few gems that come out every now and again, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, for example, No More Heroes. Yes, when No More Heroes came out on the Wii, that was, oh my God. And that's that's actually the console seller for me right now for the Switch, the fact that they announced No More Heroes yeah. 3. Once I heard that, I was like, okay, well, I have to get this now. But what if it comes to PS4? Then I'm going to be a little hesitant to and say, well... I've already got this console. I don't need to go buy this new one for this. Well, they had stacks of them at Walmart during Black Friday. Like nobody was getting them. What a the Switch? Switch? Yeah, really? Yeah, two forty nine. Mm. Huh. That's a surprise. The, the PS four. I seen. I, I seen everybody had those. I was surprised. I, I thought since Xbox One X was out, you would see all those going. Mm. It was at least, I guess, four to two. PS4 to Xbox One X. But I think we've we've kind of noticed the uptick in sales for PlayStation here lately has been strong, and I think it's still going to continue to be yeah, they're, strong. They're selling out again right now. This is their fourth year. And there's, there's a lot of reason for that. They've got a lot of things going for them right mm. now. They are a, the console leader for a reason. Yeah, next year is going to be a solid lineup of games for them, starting in you know January with... Uh, what, Monster Hunter? Monster Hunter, and then followed up by Shadow of the Colossus. Shadow of the Colossus, and then you're going to have God of War probably in around the end of February, beginning of March, yep. middle of March, and then mm-hmm. you're talking uh, day. What Days Gone is going to be out sometime next year. It's I would be. say summertime, yeah. if I had to guess. They're going to have it right there in the middle. It'd be a solid summertime. It'll slow down for them around um, October, November, when all the big third-party games try to push for the holiday They'll mm-hmm. slow down their exclusives yeah. and get them ready for January again. Yeah. It's usually how they do. Well, it'll be good. It's fine. It's fine. Um, the next little story I have, or last story for that matter, is uh, Ubisoft uh, previously revealed that its work in virtual reality with demonstrations of its Rabbids virtual reality ride, uh, the company has now teamed up with an interactive company called Triotech to create a VR experience based on the Assassin's Creed franchise. The Assassin's Creed experience will be installed in the Ubisoft Center in Point Claire, Montreal, Canada. Visitors to the center will use the VR to immerse themselves in a world of Assassin's Creed in a setup that will use the vast settings Ubisoft is famous for while taking up a small footprint as little as 10 square feet. Uh, huh. 
there's a quote that says, we have watched the evolution of virtual reality technology closely over the last few years. We feel that it's these with the, huh, we feel that with this solution, we have a strong offering to the market when considering both content and technology, but most importantly, in the guest experience. This could be fun. 10 feet. 10 feet. I don't mm-hmm. know how they're going to do Was that. Was it fight your way out of this room and then you well, go to another room? You, you kind of have that with the PlayStation VR. You, you kind of limit yourself with a 10 foot, you know, level. If you, I mean, if you're careful. Well, I guess Superhot worked really good. Yeah. So do a game like that with Assassin's mm-hmm. Creed. That could be fucking awesome. That would be. I, I tell you what I want to see. I, I think the only thing I would really want to see with the uh, Assassin's Creed VR is the dive. The dive, yeah. and I want to have. I want to go like this and see my yeah. wrist blade pop the out. The famous dive, yeah. Yeah. Because that dive would be. I would throw up in my living room floor because <laughs> you know that your head and your body would just be like, "Oh my god, what am I doing?" <laughs> <laughs> and then you have to do the actual flip where he goes onto his back. Yeah, yeah, right into the hay. Into the hay, and you just see all the hay. Yeah, just fall up on you. Oh, that would be mm-hmm. awesome. Get so, hay in your eye. I, I, confession time. I have never actually sat there and played much of any Assassin's Creed yet. Really? Despite owning at least five of them. Well, it's fine. I mean, I think I played two a fair bit, but not not to a completion sort of level. Mm-hmm. And the first thing I did when I first did that move, I was like, "Oh, that's a pretty cool move." <laughs> How come I can still walk? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> I'm back to be broken at that point. How did he not break that wagon? No matter how you're supposed to save me from dropping off a church. <laughs> right. They must have like special powers that make them, you know, They're lighter than air. When assassins. They, they are assassins. God, They're just quiet, little, little people just hopping around. Yeah. Jumping into hay bales quietly. With wrist blades. With, I would, I would foot. jump and land in the hay, and my wrist blade would pop out, and I would probably stab myself. <laughs> And I was just—I would be dead at the beginning of the game. Uh, all I could just imagine was Ezio walking out like because he's hunched over, he's thinking, "Oh God, I shouldn't have done that." Yeah, like what's wrong, Ezio? I stabbed myself with my damn wrist blade. Oh. <laughs> I can imagine that as well. We're sitting here with Indy, uh, head of the Indy Army team on Twitch. Indy, good to have you here. I'm actually not the head; I'm the founder. Oh, Colin you're the founder. The Sorry. See, I need to do a little bit more research. <laughs> uh, now, you are here to promote your upcoming charity event called 12 Days of Indie. Did I, is, that, is that correct? Well, it's not really my charity event. It's just, it just happens on my channel. Okay, okay. Well, <laughs> again, this is where I need to do my research a little bit more. Tell, tell, tell us about that and everybody else about 12, 12 Days of Indie. All right, so the 12 Days of Indie is a 12-day-long charity marathon that happens on my channel at twitch.tv slash indie um, to benefit Toys for Tots. So it's 12 days long. It's nonstop. There's a ton of different uh, broadcasters that get involved every year. We have partnered broadcasters. We have people that aren't partnered. Um, It's mostly uh, people from the Indie Army stream team. Mm -hmm. Um, It's... You know, this is what the fifth year, Cohen. Uh, I think it's the yeah. I think it's the fifth year. Good Lord, that's a lot. I've been part of um, three of them so far. Yeah. Nice. Now, what what actually led you to to start doing this event? To start doing charity streams. Yes. This one in particular. You know, I I had done some other charity streams before. Like, uh, I actually we've done a lot on on this channel on. Um, on other channels, like uh, to benefit Pitbull Rescues. Um, what else, Cohen? There's been so many of them. I can't uh, even... 
Ataxia Canada was the one. We've done a Stand for the Silent before. We've done um, there's a Rainforest Trust we've worked with before as well. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, so many other ones. It was just like it ends up being like, which one should we do this time? Yeah. Right. <laughs> And, and, and so the the very very first one was not on my channel. Was it on my channel? Jesus, it's been so long I don't remember. This was <laughs> Ambush Gamer, mm. and um, with Beetle Bear, and uh, so they were like, "Well, let's do this um, charity event for Toys for Tots." And, it, and originally it was it was kind of their baby, but then life happened with them, and they had a kid, and so the second year. Um, I, I we couldn't contact them. So actually, the second year we did another charity event, the same thing, but we called it "How the Indie Ogre Saved Christmas." Indie <laughs> Ogre was is my channel's mascot. Mm-hmm. So we had "How the Indie Ogre Saved Christmas," but the year after that, then we went back to the twelve days of indie. We made sure and got all the permission from them, and and still just kind of pushed that brand. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> no. um. That's I'd been doing charity events before, and and they had reached out and wanted to do this, and I was like, yeah, that would be awesome. Nice. Now with so this one, is did I hear correctly that you that you only stream uh, indie games during this? Is that is that correct? No, no. Okay. People stream whatever they want. Okay, that. okay. See, I thought I thought there was that, a... That, a lot of people say that just because my name's Indie. You know, gotcha. that was really how I got started. Was it was. I streamed indie games, but then I kind of like, I just wanted to play whatever I wanted. So then I started playing whatever I wanted, but that was kind of how I it got started was just, mm-hmm. I was focusing on indie games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that seems like it was a preconceived notion because I, that's, that's what I had heard. And I thought, well, that's, that's kind of neat, but I just wanted to clarify this is, this is why we're doing this clarification. Right. There, there's a lot of indie games to be played though. Mm-hmm. Know that. Yeah. I mean, there's always, you know, I do, even on my channel now, well, not this year. I haven't really focused on indie games, but actually, at the beginning of the year, I'm going back to indie game focus. Right now, what what kind Another of fun we've had? We've seen you playing these indie yeah. games, Dungeon Nightmares. I still won't forget that one. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh, <laughs> <laughs> fun stuff. Now, within the the five years you've been doing this, you said that you've not just done this, but a few other charity streams. Now, what kind of success have you seen in doing this? Like, has it has it really been has it taken off? Or um, some charity events um, really blow up, and some of them don't do as well. But it's always in, it's never been in the negative. It's always been we've always raised some money, Good. you know. And mm-hmm. some of the charity events have been just like me being involved on other people's channels or. I like I've done a 24 hour charity stream. Actually, I've done a couple 24 hour streams, but I'm not doing that ever again. <laughs> 24 hour streams. That's a suck. long stream. <laughs> yeah, that's, that <laughs> seems exhausting. Get all swollen and, but I mean, whether we've raised a hundred dollars or God, what was the most we raised one year? 16,000 for wow. which? Uh, I think that 17, I think it was at 17 and a half. I yeah. Think. Which end, is, yeah. is, is not, you know, I've seen some other charity events that raise, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, but considering that some years we don't ever get over a hundred viewers at a time, mm. we did, we do pretty good. Yeah, I, yeah. I feel like it. Mm. Now do you, you mentioned kind of getting partners and everything in there. Does, have you seen that that helps or is it just something else that just kind of helps raise awareness to it? So, well, yeah, sometimes someone will come in and they will, just raise a bunch of money in their time slot, you mm-hmm. know. <clears throat> um, but it also depends on 
God, there's just so many factors, you know, how much promotion we get, what, how people feel at the time. I, I've seen sometimes the most amount of money raised with the least amount of people in there. Wow. With me a few times, like when I do something stupid, like, uh, oh God, the Crash Bandicoot 3 challenge. I will <laughs> never forget that one. To explain the Crash Bandicoot 3 challenge, it was during the 12 Days of Indie. I decided to play Crash Bandicoot 3, the original PlayStation version, because this was like two years back. And in the end, I ended up having to play it with a controller upside down, with my thumbs taped together, balancing a husky plush on top of my head, stuck this into <laughs> Tiny Tim, It's a Wonderful Life, 10 minutes straight. And every time I died, I had to give away a fucking game. It's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I met yeah, Alison Frank to the boss came up. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. Challenges help. You know, someone donates $5, you have to do something stupid. Hmm. I could, yeah. My challenges, I don't know if I'm going to do it this year, are usually... Oh, you never do the food challenge again. Oh, God, I don't know. I have a blender. <laughs> I have a food processor, and it'll be like, for every $5, you know, I'll put one ingredient in. And <laughs> well, we've had some donations where I've had to put, like, all, like beets and cheese and oh, pickles shit. and everything in, and then you have to drink it. I don't know if I'm going to do that this year. Because oh, open mouth gag. That one year, yeah. I was like, I can't do this anymore, you guys. <laughs> No more. <laughs> but I, and I, then I think your boss at the time then did more anyway. Yeah, and then he kept donating money. So that was kind of neat. It was fun, but not good on the gut. Yeah, I can definitely see where that would uh, that would kind of work in, I guess, the charity's favor a little bit because obviously people are going to pay for that. They want to see that. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, but, you know, people done stuff. Well, I've done stuff like makeup, you know. Right. I have my granddaughter put makeup on me or... Mm. Uh, people do different things. Some people sing. I still have a picture of when they put makeup on you. Yeah. <laughs> That's beautiful. Now, oh, now with this, with this charity, do you have like a, I don't want to say like a winning formula or anything, but do you have something that you, you make sure you you have done uh, every five years or is it, there something you're trying to perfect with this to try to, to make it work? Well, you know, there's always, like, things that go wrong and lessons you learn from every time doing it. <laughs> um, a lot of it has to do, like, behind the scenes sometimes. There's in internal issues that you have to work around and sometimes try not to kill each other because <laughs> it's a little draining, you know. Right. When you get toward the end of it, you're just like, God, I love doing this, but, man, I wish it was over. Mm -hmm. And yeah. when it's over, you're like, yeah, that was awesome. But well, what know, do I do now? Work. <laughs> and, and and one thing I do want to say is there's a lot of people that are working their butt off behind the scene. This year, mm -hmm. I, I mean, I have in the past couple of years, I really haven't done anything. I mean, I have done stuff, but I haven't like the people behind the scenes that are really working hard. Those Lolinia and Drawl, they mm -hmm. are like taking care of the scheduling, taking care of the sponsors, doing stuff promotion. I mean, they are just doing so much behind the scenes right now. Mm -hmm. I mean. And I don't even know so much that's going on, but I will talk to them and they'll be like emailing all day. And so I really want to give those dudes shout outs because yeah. without them doing it, it wouldn't be happening this year because I don't have the time because I've been working full time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I mean, there might be workarounds, but the, for the past couple of years, those guys have been really been working their butt off right. doing this. Oh, yeah, for sure. Now, as far yeah, as because, um, they, especially uh, like last year and this year, um, they they really came in to their own and whatnot else. And I think we've all been really working as a team because I will, we're, as a, 
funny inside story there that there was a bit of turmoil at the start no details we given but it was like a oh boy here we go (laughs) (laughs) internal drama is always fun but that we await all that and we actually work as as quite a knit team these days so it's always good fun to be nice we end up just having fun just chatting half the time as well now Mm -hmm. yeah Now, as far as uh, who you've got streaming, do you actually have a set list of streamers that are going to be participating this year? There is uh, a set list. Yep. There is indeed. Let me let me pull it up here. Okay. It's actually in our 12 Days of Indie um, Discord. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which should be open to the public uh, in about... Oh. Well, when it starts, it'll be open to the public. But we have a schedule written up, and there's actually a couple of people from Epic who are going to be taking part as well, nice. which is going to be great. Mm-hmm. So we've nice. got some people in there as well. Now, to... We also have a thunderclap, too. Oh, yeah. Do you have the link to that stuff? I can't find those links. Uh, schedule and stuff? Yes, I do. I can find them over, if you like, um, after we're done here. If that works for you guys, or do I... Uh, I can get over right this yeah, time. definitely send me the links, and I'll put them in the uh, the links below, and our, our listeners can follow it there and find it. Sounds good. Perfect. So this that is... That list isn't public, the, the schedule? Uh, not yet. Oh, okay. Since we've got a few more... We've got one or two slots left to fill, which will probably be filled up very shortly. Mm. Right. It's, it's, it's usually the slots where Europeans are, you know... The, usually when they stream because since it's a Toys for Tots which is an American charity right you know I guess it's I don't know if it's harder to get European people to stream Cohen's streaming <laughs> yeah he's... yeah I'm European <laughs> <laughs> well I, was, I don't think it's more that it's just more so that there I've honestly I've noticed there seems to be a lot more American streamers than there is European it seems or it's just harder to find the European one right maybe we just like a Yeti we just don't know it yet <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Well, this is when I found a Japanese stream. I was like, "Wait, what?" what? <laughs> well, this is a uh, this is taking place from December first to December twelfth. Is that correct? Just make sure I got my dates right. On right, it basically yeah. ends December thirteenth. Thirteenth, okay. Because it well, it will end at 10, 11, 12, 1 p.m. Pacific time, December third, or one a.m. Pacific time, December thirteenth. Got it. So you're is that there. right? Or am yeah. I wrong? Uh, Details. Uh, I believe it's correct here because it's taking place on Eastern time. Oh, and it ends midnight on Eastern, so that means it will be... 9 o'clock. Yeah. You're, you got it. Time sign. You got it. <laughs> time. Okay. So time. From, brain is too early. I haven't had my coffee. December 1st through December 12th, ending at midnight Eastern time on Twitch t- or twitch.tv slash indie. Is that correct? Yes. All right. Yes. Uh, everyone listening, go check out and support this wonderful cause, if you would, please. I think this is a great thing that you guys are doing. Toys Definitely. for Tots is a great charity, and uh, I, I really hope that you guys can pull off uh, some great numbers this year to support that cause. Oh, yeah, we always aim to do as best we can. Well, it's for the kids more than anything else. As much as, I will be admit, as much stress as it is, and as much as it does take it out of us personally, I mean, over the charity events, especially some of the charity events that we take part in, sometimes I end up doing over 30 hours. Yeah. Because, you know, things happen, and people need to be covered, there's internal things that need coming up, you know, tech issues, whatever it may be. And it's a lot of stress. And honestly, we lose a lot of sleep during, especially the team behind it. We lose a lot of sleep during those days. Mm-hmm. But it's all worth it in the end. Although yeah. I have to admit, when it's all, over, when it's all done, 
you know what's funny? It's like, what do we do now? Yeah. Like, yeah. You kind of feel like this has been your whole life for 12 days. <laughs> and then it's like, um, what do I do now? Do yeah. I go back to my normal stream? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. But it's all worth it in the long run, I'm guessing. So mm-hmm. It is all worth it. It is awesome. But we've done years where, because um, we've done it to my local Toys for Tots, where I went shopping and we, we videoed it and we filled up one year we uh, filled up seven shopping carts. Seven shopping carts of toys. Nice. I videoed that one. Yeah, it was <laughs> awesome. We had like I I like saw the Minecraft aisle and I just just was like <laughs> literally pulling things off of the shelf into the cart. That was a blast. Yeah. So this employee at um, the store said, "Do you work here or something?" <laughs> <laughs> And I look like I work at Toys for Tots or Toys for Us, but yeah. this year we're not. It's not going to be the local Toys for Tots. Toys for Tots finally has um, a Tiltify, so we're going to use Tiltify, and so that just basically goes to Toys for Tots. So it's not nice. going to be directed at any in particular specific one this year. That's good, and it's going to make it easier on our end. Yeah, I can imagine the donations and stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, listeners, well, go check this out. I'll post a link down below where you can find the schedules, find everybody that's going to be there. Guys, thank you so much for being here and supporting this and uh, promoting it. Please, guys, all listeners, go follow this. Go check it out. you got 12 days to do so. Good luck, guys. Take care, guys. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, Release dates for November 28th. we got uh, Black Mirror for PS4, Xbox One, and PC. I've never heard of that. It sounds isn't that a TV show? Black Mirror. Black Mirror. I actually know. I think I know that. Yeah. Uh, if it's the one that I'm thinking of, I think it's just a re-release of an older PC game. But um, I could be slightly okay. wrong on this one. I have to look at that. Black Mirror. Like I said, it sounds like a All TV show. All that darkness within. <laughs> Black Mirror. These games blend someday. I've never heard of it. I haven't either. I've said the name three times and it's just not ringing a bell. It's not ringing a bell. Uh, also on November 28th, we got Resident Evil Revelations Collection for the Nintendo Switch. On November 30th, Little Witch. Uh, Academia Chamber of Time for PS4 on November or December 1st, excuse me. Uh, Doom VR for PSVR and Vive. Uh, also on December 1st, Gear Club for the Switch and Xenoblade Chronicles 2 for the Nintendo Switch. I, I kind of want to play Xenoblade Chronicles 2. I was a huge Xenoblade fan mm-hmm. on the Wii. Yeah, I remember. I played that for a long time. I got sucked I into that game. That was one of those games where I think the score really kept me intrigued. Because the music was just so good that I just wanted to run around and do nothing but just run around just to hear the music, you know, because it was so good. Yeah, I made a lot of fun of you for playing that game. You did, but it was fun. Okay. I actually had to hunt it down at a game. I went stop. with you. You to did get that game. Yeah, because I think I'd rented it through GameFly and yeah. I held on to it for so long and I was like, if I'm going to keep playing this, I just got to go buy it. So, and GameStop was the only place to find it. You still have it? Uh, yes, I do. Mm. Wonder how because much it's it was worth hard. now. Um, I don't know, but I I think you could probably sell it for a, a decent amount. You should try. Yeah, you should do that. I should. And then do we'll, I still have it? I don't know. I'm gonna you have to do look. it and take me out to dinner. Uh, no, it's fine. Okay, I'm just <laughs> throwing that out there. All right, now we're gonna do a, a quick little special segment this week. Uh, we're gonna rail off our uh, game of the year list. Uh, Cohen, since you're our guest, uh, go first. What do you have listed for your top five okay. games of the year? Sure. Okay, guys, would you like me to work upwards or downwards? Where would you like to hear? 
Should we save the best, my favorite for last? Yeah, yeah, I did the favorite one for last. Okay, then. So I'd say number five was Yakuza Kiwami. Uh, it's a game franchise I really wanted to be a like really get into. It's basically Japanese mafia, mm-hmm. but there's there's so much more to the game than what it face value. At first, it looks like one of your just you know average beat the crap out of people game basically, but then you start playing it and there's so much side content that actually really gives the world like an emphasis and the facial animations and the detail they put in it actually really made it stand out to me like at one point you're beating up people from the mafia to save the to save a puppy which actually does happen (laughs) and then next minute you're at a cabaret club paying the girl to talk to you (laughs) for some reason and then you go wander off and you're actually taking part in slot car races and then you go back to trying to take the other mafia it's like I love this game. <laughs> and yeah, there's one dude chasing you around constantly. Who I've known as, I've nicknamed the Japanese um, Joker. And he just sneaks up behind you or around you just to fight you. Because there's a story that I know I won't spoil it. But basically, he's trying to get you back into shape to how you used to be after an event happens to you. Mm-hmm. And so he pops up. And I think the funniest one so far I've seen is you're standing at a square. And suddenly he's wearing a cop uniform. He sneaks up behind you and goes, Ah, and he's like, oh god. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's been a really solid game for me. Right. And I still have to get back to it, but <sighs> other games to stream, and sometimes I was just like, I want to play that one. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> uh, then moving to number four was um, White Day, a labyrinth named School, which was a remake of a very cult classic Korean horror game, and it came out of the blue. And I contacted P Cube about trying it. And they got back to me. <laughs> I've only been taking years to get them to talk to me. And they said, yeah, sure. And I sat there and just couldn't stop playing it. It's uh, basically a white day in like Asia. It's kind of like a bit like a Valentine's Day. It's where a guy will confess some love with chocolates or something else. And that's one of the reasons why you're there at the school. So late at night, you're going to leave um, some chocolates for someone you like now. And as usual, nothing goes according to plan. <laughs> and it's just crazy you get these janitors beating kids down like literally there's one kid there wasn't there the janitor just beats them with a baseball and drags them off and there's demons and seals and it it just goes like (laughs) but what i enjoyed the most about it was the intense feeling of oh god oh god oh god oh god please don't see me please don't see me please he saw me he saw me (laughs) run away and there's a lot of jump scares and uh, there was a lot of interesting mechanics for instance you could go and play on easy, but a lot of the jump scares are removed. And the more of the content only gets revealed, the harder the difficulty actually is. So if you really want to get the full experience, you have to play on hard. Mm-hmm. And I actually came across that, and there is actually a Twitch clip of me jumping and almost, <laughs> oh, God, I damn near crap myself on it. And it, there's this one part where you've got this little food tray. On normal and below, a little bit of food gets dropped on it, and that's it. And you're like, oh, okay. I played it on hard. And the little food drops in it, and I was just making a chuckle, and then a head went, whoop, and nicked it. I was like, oh, God. All right, I'm ready for you. Press it again. Food comes down. Then hand nicks it, and I'm like, yeah, see, I'm re- Uh-oh. And then the pans, hand pans down, and there's this person, and he goes, ah! And I was like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> screams. I was like, yep, I'm done here. I'm done. <laughs> We're leaving this room. But, yeah, and that was actually a real surprise sleeper hit, because I'd never heard of White Day previously. Mm-hmm. And it's one I actually really recommend people check out. It's on Steam and PS4, as I recall. Okay. I'm going to have to look that one up. So, number three would be Persona 5, actually. And it didn't get ranked higher because there was a 
it was good, but the music wasn't there for me. It was like, damn. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It, it was a really great game, but at the same time, the, the controversy that actually occurred around it, you guys probably reported on it back when it happened with the whole stream restriction where you weren't allowed to stream past a certain point. Yeah. Kind of soured one or two of the points of the game for me, and I did stream all of it. <laughs> Did you now? <laughs> oh, but yeah, that kind of sailed the point to me, and some of the music didn't really connect with me so much. Right. Yeah, music's uh, kind of a seller. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's a big deal yeah. for me. Mm. Yeah, I was going to run for it. Number two is what we t- discussed just earlier: Wonder Boy Three: Dragon's Trap. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. The remake. <laughs> oh god, I love that. I pretty much sat and finished it in one sitting. Nice. <laughs> That's how much I'm like. Yeah, it looks fantastic. Uh, it's really well done, and the fact that they let you just press one button, you can switch between retro graphics and the new redrawn graphics was really nice. And the remixes of the music really kept the spirit. They had a really nice jive, so you like this, going, yeah, <laughs> this is good. <laughs> <laughs> but then again, I used to play the hell out of it as a kid, so... Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't help it. The nostalgia was there. Yeah, absolutely. And then, last but not least, I think on my end, would probably be... And I have it on my shelf, because you won't know it. An import game, Gundam Breaker 3, Break Edition. Nice. Giant mechs beating the crap out of each other. <laughs> it's always fun. How could you go Loads wrong? of fun. No kidding. Uh, yeah. And to explain this one, basically, think, uh, well, best way to put it is, um, is it's like a video game in a video game of sorts. And mm-hmm. you basically, like, take part in tournaments and such, and the story is garbage. I'm, I'm afraid now, the story is garbage, <laughs> but the action was great. And the fact that you could beat the crap out of the others, mm-hmm. pick up their armor parts, and actually use them on your own one, or to use it to improve your own one. And that was me walking around like a big giant bear, teddy bear <laughs> before the end of it. <laughs> but I ended up finishing like three or four times. And again, music was really good. Like the first mission, is the music that really makes you, yeah, yeah. I'm really for this. But yeah, it covers my top five of the year. Different games, definitely something different than I've got. I was kind of curious if we would ever have like a, a, any of us have the same game anyway. Yeah. We probably will, I yeah. think. Well, all right, Todd, go ahead. Okay. Well, my number five would have to be, I'm going to say Call of Duty, the, the one I'm playing, Call okay. of Duty World War II. That's, uh, so I like the story. I, I'm glad they went back to World War II. Um, you know, like usually most time when you're playing the game, they don't show your character. Well, this time it's kind of like they spun out and they, the cutscene involves your character. Everything seems more, um, I don't know, cinematic instead of, in your face, like I like that, you know. It's like it tells a way better story this time. Mm-hmm. Plus, you know, Fergie's husband's in it, so it's pretty yeah. awesome. <laughs> but anyway, that's number five. Uh, the zombies are great in it too this time. Um, that's a big draw for me. <clears throat> number four would have to be Uncharted uh, Lost Legacy and the downloadable content for it. That was really cool. All just the amount of time they spent making this game look awesome. Mm. Just. It's beautiful, beautiful game, and uh, it was fun to play as uh, Chloe and see, I don't know, just a different part of it. Like to me, it let me know that Uncharted can still survive without it being about Nathan Drake. Yeah, you can just stay in that universe, and that's uh, that's good because I don't want it to. I don't want Uncharted to go away. Those are they're fun games, you know. So, I agree. Um, number. Three. I'm on number three, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this one's like the my top three are kind of a toss up. Number one is the the solid one, I'm pretty sure. But number two and three, 
No, yeah, I guess. Okay, I'm just gonna go Resident Evil Seven. I love that freaking game. Okay, uh, it was a a return to excellence for that series to me. Um, even though I, I didn't play much in, in VR because I don't think I could handle it. Uh, it was just <laughs> the way they did their boss battles. It just felt it's just it was scary again. Yeah, awesome game. Uh, now the top two is, is a tough one because. I really enjoyed both these games. Okay. But I'm going to go with number two being Hellblade. That game was just such a big surprise and just, I don't know, man. Like, it was, it's hard to put it at number two and not number one. Mm. But that game was just freaking awesome. The way they did the voices in the head, the, you know, just the visuals in that game, the, um, I guess the gameplay itself was solid. It, it, could have felt they could have really just jacked that gameplay up. It could have felt clunky as just all get out, but it didn't. It felt smooth. It just you had to you had to figure it out, you know. Yeah. So that was awesome. But number one, Horizon Zero Dawn, mm-hmm. hands down, mm-hmm. that game was just. I spent what sixty hours. I got the platinum for it. Still haven't played the downloadable content yet, but mm-hmm. I will. And that game, it's it's a beautiful game. I'm looking forward to sequels. Just a, a saga, or whatever they want to create in that universe, they they've made something pretty awesome. I think. Mm-hmm. I'd say it'll be another year or so before yeah. we see anything, but that's good. It'll let the weight die down. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping you excited. It's, it's not coming anytime soon because I don't want it to be oversaturated. No, you know, no, no, take your time and do it right. I agree. Kind of thing. Awesome. Your oh. turn. All right, my turn. Well, uh, we're gonna have. Uh, two overlaps. Okay, that's good. Though. Uh, number five on my list was Resident Evil Seven. Okay, because it was a nice return to the horror franchise. Something new, something fresh. Uh, definitely fun, if not exhausting in VR. Uh, I did that for at least a few hours, and I just it was intense. It really was, and that just I felt like added to the entire experience of the intensity they added to it because if getting into the third dimension with these characters oh just adds to the intensity then they've done something right because oh, yeah. it, it was still already unnerving and terrifying in 2D you I mean, know it was I, I when I played it the first well, shit when I played the uh that first hour demo I knew right away I'm I'm not playing this in VR yeah I'm not going to do this <laughs> but it was it was intense the whole experience was yeah. intense so uh, yeah, I definitely agree with you. Return to form. They've definitely done something. I like that they decided to just go in a, a completely new direction. Yeah. And that's what kind of helped revitalize the franchise, I believe. So hopefully they'll continue that formula. Maybe not forever. But again, reinvent it every three games if you need to. Yeah, that's probably what they'll do. These three games and then they'll do something different. I yeah. hope they don't go back to crap. Yeah. Um. Number four on my list, and it's it's on my list because I have no doubt it's going to be a great game, even though I haven't played it. And I guess the reason it's number four is because I haven't played it, but just everything I've seen of it, I want to play it so bad, and that's Super Mario Odyssey. Because this is a game that looks like Mario's Return to Form as well. Mm-hmm. A, a Mario game that I've been dying to play. I can't wait to get my hands on it. Mm-hmm. I know I'm going to spend hours upon hours playing this, and it's it's... It's everything that I want. You know, it's everything I've wanted since Mario Galaxy 2. You know, they, they it's been a while since I've had that. And I have no mm-hmm. doubt that it's going to be a fun game. I've seen everybody enjoying it that has played it. 
So I definitely had to put it on the list because I'm anticipating just playing it, watching everyone else play it, you know, Uh, and I have no doubt it's going to be fun. But that's the reason it's also a little lower on my list is because I haven't. So that was only fair. Um, Number three on my list would be Super Hot for VR. If you've never played Super Hot in VR, this, as as I have stated numerous times on the show, this is what VR was made for. That idea, Mm. this is the concept in which it just needs to be done properly. It it just, it's perfect for VR by every stretch. It's everything that it needs to be. And I can't get enough. You know, it's intense, you know, and I still haven't finished it. But when you're in there and you're playing it and you're just being a badass, you're being Neo from the Matrix. Yeah. I don't know how else to say it. John Wick. But it's so perfect in that that regard. So it just makes you feel like the ultimate badass. And what more could you ask in that situation? What I liked about it was how natural it felt to do everything. Yeah. You, You just kind of observe your surroundings, say, all right, what do I need to do? And then you just work at it. There's no wrong way to do it. There's no right way to do it. You just react. Gotta do super it. Yeah. Hot. So yeah. super. I played the hot. non-VR version, and even that really enjoyed playing the hell mm. out of it. Yeah, I've, I've kind of wondered that too because I think they said that the non-VR version had a few extra levels to it. So I would still like mm. to, to try that out. Feature. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Have you read that thing. Yeah. But it's, the chat room feature for a while. It just cracks me up. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's definitely one of my top five of the year. Uh, my top two, I, I had to debate on this. It's tough. And you, you probably know what my number one is going to be just based on my number two. Uh, but my number two is Cuphead. Because that game was a labor of love that is so gorgeous so wonderful the music the sound design the gameplay as tough as it is it's a return to old school platforming going back to Mega Man yeah. and things like that and I'm I'm a sucker for Mega Man games they were tough they were and so I think hard. a lot of gamers don't seem to realize how hard these games were so when they they're thrust into a game like Cuphead which goes back to that it, they're they're mm-hmm. taken aback. And they quit. By it. Yeah, and they just they can't they handle it. Now, at the same time, I will say there are times that I feel like this game can be a little over difficult. You know, just like the mm-hmm. difficulty, depending on what the situation is. Because there are some bosses I would get to, and I would take them out like it was no problem. But then I would get to another yeah. one, it was just constant over and over and over. It's like, what am I doing wrong here? Like, you're just being punished. Mm-hmm. And I, I couldn't quite figure out what that was, but maybe it was just the formula that, I was fighting for the easier one. I could just figure out better versus what this one's throwing at me. Maybe it's too much or or I'm just not getting it yet. But whatever it is, despite that, it's just a, it's something that has never been done before in in gaming that I've seen, you know, to hand draw every frame and to recreate those old 1930s cartoons. That's beautiful. Everything about Mm -hmm. it is just so perfect. It is. It really is. It's just, uh, it's amazing. And, and I can't give it enough love. You know, it's just, I love everything about it. The music, the the look, everything. So, uh, but. It all fit together so well. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And, and it looks and just even, like one of those cartoons. And even one misstep would have, would have taken it all down. It would have just taken you out of it, but they didn't. They, they never yeah. missed a mark with that, with every little design. 
So, well, I think it's awesome that Microsoft allowed them to the time to do it because a lot of times you see Microsoft will rush something out. Yeah, this was a game that did not need to be rushed by any means, and you can tell that they had a lot of time to spend on it, and they it was perfect the way they did it. So. Yeah. But that being said, as much as I'm gushing about that, Horizon Zero Dawn is also my top one because it's uh, it was a gorgeous game, is a great story. Um, the difficulty level was not <laughs> as vicious as it could be. Um, yeah. But but it was difficult. I even now he was talking about he didn't play the um, the DLC. The DLC, I got in playing that, and they did not skimp on the difficulty. If you were maxed out at level 50, they're like, <laughs> it doesn't matter. You're still going to get your you know, ass handed to you because they threw new enemies at you that were more vicious than everything you'd fought. So you always had to keep moving mm-hmm. and fighting, and it was just, it was intense. And it was cold. Yeah, very, oh, very cold. Yeah. <laughs> but the fact that you had this, this new game come on the scene, because I remember when I first saw it, I think in an E3... I, I didn't want to say I was dismissive of it, but it was just like, okay, this is interesting. Well, and I, I didn't think yeah. anything about it. I wasn't wowed by it exactly. You know, at first. Yeah. It was just like, huh, okay. I just felt like it was going to be a, a throwaway game that maybe maybe it would be okay. Right. Uh, and then you just yeah. kind of play it, and then it was just like, well, it was kind of fun, but it had its flaws, blah, blah, blah. But no, it didn't. It was just everything about it was just so fine-tuned. Uh, the story, I think, was the biggest attraction to me because it followed through with a great story this was a, oh, yeah. a an idea that could yeah. have fallen flat and you just be like well that was kind of stupid but once you actually see what the story was it's very intriguing and it i think is. a lot of triple a games mm-hmm. today don't have a, a story that's as solid as that you know, yeah like so gameplay is great uh, looks good but then the story lacks yeah there's always something but this, but, and they but, got everything right in that game. Yeah, everything about the story in this was just phenomenal. Even the addition to the Frozen Wilds was a great addition to it. Uh, I don't really feel like it padded the story and added anything, but yeah. it, was, it was a nice you know moment to to get away and, and see some other portion of the world, just to kind of go out and explore something new. And it was still fun. So I'm not I'm not faulting the DLC or anything, but uh, yeah, it's I, I feel like it earns the top spot. For the for the game of the year, mm-hmm. yeah, but that's just me. But in reality, Zelda's going to get it, and and you know I could have put Breath of the Wild on this list as well, like I did with Super Mario Odyssey. But I don't feel like that it. I do want to play it. It's a Zelda game, I really do. But my excitement for that game has not been what it has been for Super Mario Odyssey, and I don't know why. I really don't. It Mark, does look because fantastic. I think the Zelda doesn't. It's still Zelda. Yeah. It's just a little beefier Zelda to me, and the Mario Odyssey. That's a different. That's a different Mario. Yeah, Horizon Zero Dawn. Again. That's Ooh. different. You know. I think. I think what what makes Mario Odyssey to me seem so much more appealing is the fact that they're taking the formula that we all know and love about the collecting the stars or whatever. And granted, yeah. it's moons this time, but now it's in an open world setting. Something we've never really seen yeah. for a Mario game. Now, granted, there are different worlds, but each world is like an open world setting. Mm-hmm. So all you do is go there yeah. and you collect all these things. You're not having to set yourself up for one particular thing to do, you know, going in and out of a, a world like you did on previous games. This is like, well, here's yeah. your world. And go find them. And then, yeah, you just Have enjoy fun. it. Yeah. And that's appealing to me. Zelda, on the other hand, it looks like it's a massive world from what I've seen. It does look fun. I do want to play it, but I don't know. I, I, my excitement has just not been 
through the roof saying, gosh, I've got to yeah. go play this game. Mario was a kind of a console seller to me, just like I was saying No More Heroes. This is a game I want to play, and I would kind of almost buy the system for it. But I, I will play that. Breath of the I Wild. That. Yeah, I, I will play Breath of the Wild. I, I've never missed out on the Zelda game, but it's just, I it's, don't know. It should just come to PS4, I think. Well, that's never going to happen. <laughs> Nintendo will... Hell will freeze over before you that. Got Ocean Horn, just go play Ocean Horn, dude. Ocean Horn, that game sucks. <laughs> actually, that's a pretty solid game. Actually, <laughs> I didn't like it. <laughs> well, it's not you for everybody. Like yeah, I mean, at least it tried to be a Zelda. Yeah, I, I will say that. Zelda, yeah, but that being Zelda, mm-hmm. and it it was close. It was actually an enjoyable experience for many that did play it. At least, I think that's what I got mean, me. Let's face it. That's what got me on that game. Zelda, was it's not on a Zelda, Zelda platform, so it's like. Yeah. <laughs> well, guys, anybody out there listening, if you uh, think you have a better game of the year list, by all means, comment wherever you are and let us know what your favorite games of the year are. Please. We'd love to see what you got. Or if you disagree with us, which I'm sure a lot of you will, uh, please let us know. It would be fun. They won't. They won't. All right. Well, I'm going to close out the show. Uh, thank you, everyone, to for listening to us on whatever platform you choose. We appreciate whatever love comes our way. Comment like we were just saying, wherever you want, wherever you want. Let us know what you think. Uh, sometimes uh, we like to change things up, you know, whether it be in uh, different settings, different guests, whatever. Let us know what you think of the show. We can't change anything if we don't know what we're doing right or wrong. Uh, you can join our Facebook page, Start Topics. Head over to Redbubble, buy a t-shirt, show some support. You can also go to patreon.com slash productions to donate a buck or two. Help support this show and many other shows that we produce. Thank you again for listening. I'm Stephen White. I'm Todd Stark. Cohen, it's great having you here, man. Nice to meet you. Thank you so much for having me, guys. You're all awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. Join us again next time. But until then, game on. This has been a Pencil and Paper Podcast Network production.